Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Bubble Boy, which is a movie that was submitted to us by at Kyle Delahanty on Twitter. He sent us a DM to our Twitter account at Affable Chat. Kyle says... Bubble Boy is a goofy, midday Comedy Central type of movie and one of my family's favorites, despite pretty poor reviews around the web. I think it might be relevant with the precautions everybody is taking for coronavirus these days. And I think that's a good I think that's a great idea. Kyle I was really excited when I saw this DM. And of course, here we are reviewing it. That's right. This is a gross out American family road trip American comedy. Directed by Blair Hayes. Uh, it, the cast includes Donnie Darko, Machete, Dana Appleton, Mackenzie, Mini Me, and the giant from Big Fish. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it on YouTube. Okay, Joey, go ahead and give us this, the synopsis for Bubble Boy. A boy, previously sheltered from the world, learns the joys of brainwashing and racism in this heartfelt American comedy featuring boner jokes. All right, that's Bubble Boy. Let's start with our pros and cons. Joey, tell us what you liked about Bubble Boy. Um, the cast is great, and the acting follows with that. It's pretty decent. Um, there's a really good message about family and kind of a hopeful, albeit naive, look at the world. Um, there are some setups and payoffs. I, that's all I'll leave it at that. Um, there are some actually really good moments between characters, too, uh, that I wish were done a little bit differently, but uh, I felt was earned. Okay. What about you? What did you like about it? I think that Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic. I would not have chosen him as this role, but I think that his like uh, inherent... I don't know. We talked about this last week on our American Psycho episode where he's kind of good at playing like kind of a weirdo. Um, and he is great. His acting, I feel like, is almost too good for what this movie is aiming to do. Uh, but yeah, he's fantastic. He carries this movie. Uh, the movie, I, I think it's funny. I think there's some times there in this movie that genuinely made me laugh. Bubble Boy, it's funny. It's funny. It's really funny. It's a crea- I think it's a creative premise as well to have this you know person who's stuck inside of uh, you know permanent quarantine and um so I, I i mean that was basically the reason i was excited to watch it it's a low stress feel good fun movie you know um it, it's not <laughs> I, I i pretty much gave up on the stakes pretty early and just enjoyed kind of like the wackiness um i i i love the way this movie uses mobs this great use <laughs> of kind of monolithic entities that all have groupthink and act in at at the same time usually doing something stupid which to me is hilarious I, I i love seeing that in a movie i think it's done well here especially when the mobs have to uh you know go head to head also one thing that kind of and we'll get a little bit more into kind of the choice of the jokes in this uh a little later but i think that one thing this movie does to give itself kind of uh, plausible deniability is it kind of, the argument is that no one is safe from criticism. They make fun of everybody. They make fun of foreign cultures and American culture. They make fun of, they just try to, you know, jab at everybody, which I think is, if you're going to be offensive, that's the way to do it. Um, and then I, I agree with you. There are definitely setups and payoffs in this movie, <laughs> which, you know, at least makes it feel like things were worth your time when they come back again later. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead yeah. and get into the the cons. And, you know, why don't you tell us your cons, Joy? 
Okay. Um, the cartoons, physics, and logic uh, bothers me because, like, it's, like, about this... I don't know. There's, like, this idea of, like, he's going to be in a bubble and everything, and it feels like this very almost real problem of, like, someone who's, uh, like, has no immunities or has no immune system or something, and then it's just, like, treated totally off the wall. Like, I guess the, the first beginning of the tone of the movie didn't didn't follow for the rest of it although if i've watched it again maybe i changed my mind no no i think it's i really... agree with that a little bit too is it like initially i felt boy this is kind of like they're really phoning this in they're, they're like like getting off to a very rapid start and i'm not going to take this as seriously as i think they want me to and then later on i was like oh <laughs> they were just trying to get to <laughs> oh <this. laughs> right um I, it's really edgy uh which i think is the way to describe it, but it's I, don't, I put that in my cons and purpose. Um, it's I it thinks it's very clever, and there's a lot of criticisms of religion um, that are almost not worth mentioning just because they're so lowbrow. Um, and there's there's more than a couple instances of you know straight up racism, um, uh, which I think is different than uh, other movies we've done in this podcast. Like we've talked about, like we talked about. Uh, sexism in um rango right of how uh the beans character was kind of pushed to the side and like she was like she wasn't given much agency right and she had a little bit of like she had a little bit of a character but it was kind of pushed to the side to just be the love interest for rango but in that movie there's so many other things happening and there's the rest of the plot that's moving forward and there's so many other things to look at that it's easy to forget about that small part of it this movie doesn't really let you forget that it's racist <laughs> like it keeps bringing it back up and it keeps hitting on that over and over again you know it's not something it's like oh that's one off like oh maybe that was funny in 2001 uh it's it's like oh no like we really believe this like oh no we really think this is funny like let's keep doing this um chloe the the character has almost no agency she's like up it's like she looks so nervous for her own wedding. And it's like, if you felt that way, just say no, you know, or like, I want to wait a little bit longer. Like, what is your, what is going on with you? Oh, I just, I, whatever man says yes to me, whatever man will take me down the aisle, that's who I'm going to say yes to. You know, like, I'm just going to, I'm at the whim of the winds of the world and I don't control those. The men in my life control that. Also, okay, here's the thing that bothered me the most. What happened to the freaking guitar playing? All right. He was so good at guitar. Like, they showed this, have this whole thing where he's playing guitar in his room, right? That would have been an excellent... That would have put this movie into the next level for me if at some point that had come back, right? That would have been a Every great time, way for him instead of just having him hold a coin and be like, well, I hope this somehow results in me getting 12 cc's of American muscle. What if they were right. like, like, win the guitar rock off to become, like, to win the scooter, and then, like, he plays a, a concert in his bubble. That would be awesome. Yeah, or, you're right. Or the freaking, the, the strip club, the mud wrestling, the Asian strip club with the mud wrestling. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I, when he saw the $500, I couldn't read what it said on the thing, so I was like, oh, is this gonna be a battle of the bands and he's gonna win? Like, wouldn't that be freaking cool? Like, oh, this thing that, like, he knows how to do actually comes in useful. <laughs> It, um, well, it did, okay, it, the, yes, you're totally right. This is a great criticism. But, I mean, I think that they were like, it's the reason that uh, Chloe sticks around initially, you know, so that what? she can learn how to play guitar because he's so good at guitar, you know? Yeah, so make that a thing <laughs> that is useful because it really is. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree with that. Not important. Um, also, 
uh, I have a I have a real problem with the ending where like suddenly Jake Gyllenhaal is Jake Gyllenhaal and he's just too hot. <laughs> like, you know, as soon as he takes the freaking bubble off, he's just like so smooth. <laughs> and it's like, where was all of that sheltering and stuff? Like, oh, like he, he made a road trip across, like he he waddled his way across America and that made him grow up and now he like knows how to treat a woman. You know, like <laughs> it reminds me of, you ever see Casper, like the live action Casper? When I was a kid, it's been a long, long time. Well, there's this part that I'll never forget where Casper turns into a real boy. Like, he actually is flesh and blood. And he's, like, really hot. Like, he's like this. I rewatched it, and he's, like, probably 12 years old. So I feel weird saying that. But, like, he's he's like a like an attractive young boy with, like, you know, great 90s hair. Uh-huh. And um, it's like, oh, uh, like, he's like, I, like, he doesn't act at all like Casper. He acts like a hot boy, hot heartthrob boy. And that's exactly what this reminds me of. He's like, as soon as he takes the bubble off, he's like, I'm Jake Gyllenhaal. Can't resist me. <laughs> I mean, who could? You know, it is Jake Gyllenhaal after <laughs> exactly. all. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to echo your criticism of the racist jokes uh, because, I don't know, there's certain things where you can you can make fun of a different culture and it and it obviously be okay. Like, they make fun of Christianity and Republicans, you know, like... Um, and not necessarily saying like explicitly you're white, but there, there's like, you are, you know, drinking the, the Kool-Aid and the propaganda and all that other stuff. Everybody, you kind of get a jab in at everybody, but there, there's a difference between saying like, here's a thing that you do that's ridiculous. And then just being like pointing and saying, ha ha, different culture. Ha 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 ha. You know, <laughs> like that's that, uh, like, Hey, you're different. Ha-ha. Exactly. I do not understand the five hundred dollars joke. I don't see the. Uh, I don't see the, what the problem is. That's, that saying, "Oh, you're different, and that's bad or funny," has never been a problem in the world ever. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, but for real, like that's never contributed to any sort of issue. Like, maybe it's just because I'm a little bit more knowledgeable in American culture. But I think it's. I think it's just a. It's a, It's funny to have pictures of the presidents in your house, you know, and and, and to use that um, as the backdrop for these characters that have such bizarre beliefs um and, mm. and you know brainwash their kid but to have these a this asian business where a bunch of guys just yell 500 dollars a bunch of times for me it was like is it supposed to be the accent that's funny i, I don't get i genuinely even if i'm like trying really hard to be racist i still don't get what the joke is like <laughs> I, i'm like just thinking maybe it's i think it i think it's the accent it's, just, it's like oh he's saying it in a funny way and he's yelling you yeah. know like you know this is one of those things where they're like kids coming out of this movie like would say to their friends for years five hundred dollar five hundred dollar you know like it, it's 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 trying to set up a some sort of in in like inside joke, yeah a reference like easy yeah. to repeatable reference yeah okay and for me it's just like okay don't need that do something <laughs> better than that um but yeah so that that, that wasn't good and then um I really don't feel like I, I get it. You know, this is kind of like a coming of age story, boy to man kind of story. But I don't, I didn't get that really. Like they just kept saying, <laughs> like I didn't feel like this movie really had that much of a purpose beyond just making me laugh. Like I, I didn't feel like it, he really learned any lessons other than just YOLO. He's like, you didn't come this far out of your bubble just to give up now, did you? And he's like, you're right. right I've right. only got one shot at this. I have to keep going, you know, which is a good message, but I didn't feel like it was really driven home or told in a way that, that in, like had a purpose other than that. That was more impactful than just how silly and comical this movie was. Yeah. Yeah. I think this movie has one good message and 
uh, that's it. I uh, yeah okay fair enough. And I also don't I don't want that to say that I didn't feel like this movie was a feel good movie. Like I came away from it happier than when I first sat down. Uh, but that's enough of the cons. Let's let's get into the overall and really dissect this movie. And honestly, my first reaction after finishing this movie was this is exactly what I needed to watch right now. Okay, <laughs> not for the, the not for the initial reason I thought when Kyle submitted this. Obviously, he's like the whole coronavirus situation has made him think of this movie. Um, so that makes it kind of perfect for the time right now. But after I finished it, I was like, that's not why I enjoyed it. That's not why I'm going to remember this movie. The reason I'm going to remember it is because it would, it let me allowed me to escape the real world for a while where there's consequences <laughs> and, and, exactly. and things are sad and escape into a world where there are absolutely no consequences and everything is just stupid and silly and at the end everything works out everything comes together all the loose ends get tied up very satisfyingly and i and you just have a reason to laugh and dance to the bright and shiny song while it's playing during the uh the clo- the credits give up on society <laughs> we will be your family uh such a great song and the way that they were dancing they're so um I mean, I know that it's taking place in the, uh, this movie takes place in the early 2000s, but it seems like uh, very 70s, the way that those people were like wearing all oh, white yeah, yeah. and like kind of all togetherness. Um, but yeah, so th- that, that's my overall feelings on this movie. Uh, it, I get, initially felt like it was going to be set up to be something more serious. And it's like, how do you survive when you have no immunities? Like what lengths mm. will this guy have to go to to have a normal life when he's living in a bubble? But then I was like, oh, okay, that doesn't actually matter. It's just a, 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 like a comedic <laughs> set piece. That's fine. Then let's just have fun with it. And, uh, and that's kind of that was my attitude basically after like the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I think there's... Um like obviously this there's there's like there's another version of this movie that is about this kind of the same theme of like the uh like being a sheltered person and then being out in the world uh, for the first time right and that's like fate like coming face to face with reality um and the things that mrs livingston wanted to protect her son from right whereas like in this i guess like everything everybody he interacts with is like very cordial and nice and like doesn't want to take advantage of him they all want to like like help him basically except for maybe the cult but they're in there for selfish reasons but everyone else is like oh you know like hey you're trying to you know get from a to b we can help you with that so it like i think that's a nice message about humanity but i think there's another like on like a i don't know alternate timeline version of this movie that's about him coming face to face with the world that his mom was trying to protect him from, definitely you know? no definitely and, and there's also an alternate version where the reason they can't be together is because chloe doesn't want to be with a guy who can't get outside of a bubble rather than him choosing the bubble <laughs> over him you know like she was always there to be like i want i like she tried to get into his bubble you know and he even says like maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. i should have let her in that day you know but it, it seemed like it was more his like hesitance to join the real world that was the issue not that it would what would happen in real life which would be that it's so hard to give up the chance at a normal relationship for this you know this weird one because of his issues so um yeah, yeah. much more well real. i mean that's i mean what about this pickup line though don't worry you can decontaminate me. oh dude yeah i was definitely i could see like young <laughs> you were definitely saying the pledge of allegiance after Defin- that <laughs> 
<laughs> I can I could see. Uh, I mean, this is the first time I'd seen this movie. But if it had come on Comedy Central when I was in, you know, during the summer in middle school, dude, I would have been like, all right, here we go, another like horny <laughs> midday comedy. Like, uh, <laughs> gotta have like the shot of her boobs right outside of the bubble when she shows up. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It was just. Um, it, it is like, uh, yeah, th- some of that was gratuitous, um, uh, but it also kind of fell off after the very beginning. Like it was only kind of those boner jokes were right. pretty much just at the beginning. Yeah, it's true. Um, I, yeah, you know what? I like doing movies for this podcast that aren't critically acclaimed. I think they're fun. I think they're fun to talk Me too. about. Yes. So no, I, I agree. I, no, I'm happy to watch this. Um, so I think probably if I saw this movie back in 2001, when I was like seven, I would have been like, whoa, this is crazy stuff. Is this what adult movies are like? Because <laughs> a lot of, because it's like, it's very much like a cartoon or like a kid's movie, but like with like kind of amped up, you know, to like another level of like zaniness. Um, and it's like a very super, it's a very super edgy movie for teenage boys in a pre 9-11 america like that's kind of what it is um and it's it's it clearly has that audience of like teenage boys and even though the message you should never let your kids have fun is clearly clearly for any parent forced to watch this no boomer is going to watch this and say you know that movie with the racism toward asians and constant poo-tang jokes really does have a point we should let our kids have more freedom like that's we not should let that them have happen. more ice cream too everybody loves ice cream <laughs> Everyone loves ice cream. Dude, okay. You're so right, though. This movie is so for <laughs> This movie totally is for, like, uh, teenage boys. Oh, my gosh. Like, ha- having a crush on, like, the uh, sexually developed, like, te- uh, neighbor girl. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and yeah. it's like, well, she would never be with you. You're seven years old. Just like she would never be with this guy because he's, he's in a bubble. It's like, but what about in my dream world where that totally happens? Also, I'm really good at guitar. <laughs> <laughs> i only know one song but that doesn't matter <laughs> yeah but but like that's not who's seeking out this movie right it's the teenage boys that are watching this movie and the demographic is ter- targeted toward um it's like has this understated and powerful message of forgiveness um i mean like it's also entirely necessary for the happy ending at the end but jimmy forgiving his mom for all of the stuff that she put him through is genuinely a touching moment and like a very good thing to take away from this um and too bad it's only like 10 seconds um and because there needs to be more people just old people just dying and people falling over waterfalls and all that sort of thing you know like there's not enough space for the heartfelt character connection between (laughs) his mom his like ultra republican mom and all of the stuff that she put him through and then you know him forgiving her for for all right right no i agree but Um, at least they have something they very easily could have gotten out of this movie with nothing right no i think that's like i wish there had been a little bit more of that that's all I but that's kind of a minor thing. I think I really do think that's a great message to come away from this movie with. Um, I, Jimmy's bubble is a pretty literal representation for the metaphorical bubble teenagers often feel like they live inside of, and they show Mrs. Livingston as a strict religious Republican and make her out to be some sort of anti-Semitic zealot. Uh, and maybe you know once you also thought your mom was a, a Nazi, so that, you know maybe that's relatable. <laughs> I didn't see it that this way before, like quite as vividly, but you've made some great arguments like this. They specifically sat down to make this movie for, for, for seventh grade boys. For yeah. Sure. I mean, like, 
the, I think there's something commendable about that almost. Like a lot of times you'll watch a movie that's supposed to be for teenagers and like they totally miss the point. Um, this is like almost written by a 15 year old boy. Like <laughs> there's so many things about it that are good about that. And like, I think from that standpoint, it's actually a pretty clever metaphor, especially since like the actual thing of like, would this thing protect you from disease kind of falls apart pretty quickly <laughs> because it's like, I don't know if it would, you know, like, I don't know if that's actually how that works. I like, I don't know. Wait, would you use bubble? Plastic. Would, would plastic actually keep germs out? Like, isn't it still permeable? You're um, if there's if I've learned anything during this whole crisis is that I don't know anything about diseases, so <laughs> I, I I don't have an answer for you. I don't know. It's not like he lives in like a very sterile environment. I mean, inside okay, thing, I, you know? it's one thing to ask if you kept somebody inside of a dome made of plastic and they never left, you know, and uh, like you had some sort of really good system of decontamination to get things in and out so you could have food and water. It's another thing to ask if his bubble that he runs around in would work, or if those tunnels they have going through their house are a good idea, you know. What about, yeah, what about how, like, he's bouncing all over the freaking country, and then when he wants to get out, he just pushes once, and then it opens from the inside. <laughs> yeah, is well, also, how about him designing that thing himself and building it? That was like, cool, and again, I wish that would have come back. I wish there had been, like, I wish he had, like, you know, he meets Machete, or what is his name, Slim, in this movie, and... um and it's, he's like, ah, you know, my uh, my motorcycle's broken. He's like, oh, I could fix that. And he totally fixes it. I mean, he does give him the patches, which is kind of a good way of doing it. But, like, if he had used some of his technical skill that he had developed making this freaking bubble yeah. suit to help somebody out, like, that could have been that could have that been, cool. been kind of cool. Especially, yeah, if he kept if it kept coming back. Yeah, like, he just he uses his guitar skills and his building. It would have fleshed him out more as a character. Instead of him just being this one-track-minded guy who is just always capable of continuing his trek towards uh, Niagara Falls. That's right. That, to the yeah, east. That's like his number one quality is he's always able to just keep going. Yeah, it is. He's, he's very resilient despite his uh, lack of immunities. Um, so I think we got to talk about the religious stuff in this movie a little bit. Oh, definitely. Um a lot of the, the criticism this movie has of religion is like the most low-hanging fruit you could think of. Uh, it's like the most like amazing atheist stuff that you've ever seen. That's the uh, the category I want to put it in. Um, religion certainly has its flaws. Uh, no institution is perfect, and none of them are above criticism. But this movie's religious take is, can you believe this? Can you believe that these people <laughs> believe this? They're so short-sighted and dumb. Like, it's not even an anti-religious movie, despite all of its, like, uh, religion? <laughs> Come on! You know? <laughs> it's really, like, an anti-established movie. Like you said earlier, it's kind of taking poking fun at everyone, right? And uh, I think, like, the like the Republican aspect of that kind of supports that as well. Although he is making fun of, like, the Hindus um, and, like, the cult, like, I guess, America's, uh, like, cult demographic whatever that is sure no but i mean definitely cults are you know worthy of being criticized i think the cult criticism is a little better than some of the other especially the hindu one it's just like basically they pick one thing out and they're like cows you guys like cows well guess what that's stupid it's like all right that's not i don't I don't know this for sure but i don't think it's just any cows either i think it's the specific species that lives in india 
So, uh, yeah, I don't even know. And that, I mean, they they make. I'm not going to trust this movie to ta- like educate <laughs> me on it. But um, it it again, it was just like, what if we ran over the thing that you think is important? Ha 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 ha. Yeah, ha, yeah. Ha. yeah. Also, like, I don't know. Like, I like how. Uh, I mean, I don't like that the ice cream truck was ice cream and curry. That is just the laziest <laughs> joke ever. Um, and I wonder if this movie influenced, because I used to, a while back, I used to work at this other place that um, when I first got there, people thought that I was Indian, even though I'm Mexican. I have brown skin. and, and Because you work in IT. In rural South Carolina. I do work in IT. But rural South Carolina, if your skin is darker than that, people are going to, they know you're not white. And they thought I was Indian. So they would joke. It's like, hey, what'd you bring for lunch today? Curry? And I'm like, not even Indian. I'm Mexican. So then after that, they were like, hey, what'd you bring for lunch today? Curry tacos? Like, because again, it's wow. just like, <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> But it's just low-hanging fruit. And back then, I wasn't even offended when these jokes came my way. I was—I thought it was hilarious that they thought that this was like a good, clever insult. <laughs> Especially after like the fifth time I had to hear it. So right. So um, to see it in this movie, I'm just like, oh come on, you can do better than that. Um, yeah. The one thing that I did like about it though was that later on, when the bikers were in the ice cream truck, they were like, "This is some really good curry," because um, I have found. That that it doesn't matter what culture you are. If there's good curry, there's a good chance you might enjoy it. Curry is amazing. <laughs> so um, I like that uh, Shiva was holding ice cream cones in all of her arms. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so funny. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought I agree with that. Um, I, I I didn't think that the religious criticisms. It just didn't feel like they had any substance. It's a lot like the like it just falls right into the racism things where it's just like, yeah yeah yeah. You're making fun of it because it's not. It's just different. And um, I don't think there's any substance to it. It's just ha ha right. different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't even like call this like I wouldn't even call this like my first atheist level. You know, like baby's first atheist movie. Yeah. In a way, you know, it's like it's just there's nothing there basically. But I do want to say I do like the criticism of the um, of the cult. I do feel like they did a pretty succinct uh, version of a cult. There's not much there. Sure. Like they have like their one text, and then they have their um, song that very quickly summarizes who they are. But they right. they hit all the major bullet points for a cult. Like for instance, giving up all your worldly possessions to somebody else who keeps them <laughs> in some compound in Texas. They don't even know. Like they, and they're like not allowed to have sex with each other. But you know that the the cult leader is definitely having sex with all of them. Right. And then they like removing their own identities by all being named. Was it Todd and Lorraine? Todd Lorraine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just, I felt like that was actually pretty good criticism. Also, having a beautiful cult leader in Fabio, great casting choice. <laughs> yes, great casting so, choice. So unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Fabio's main role was to be a uh, to open the buffet. <laughs> Because at the at the first cult meeting that we see where he announces the round one, like the next iteration yeah, yeah. of the chosen one is going to be round, and then he's like. And if no one else has any questions, the buffet is now open. And then you don't hear from him again until the last scene at the wedding when everyone's getting their line in. And Fabio is like, everyone, the buffet is open. <laughs> like they brought him along just to announce that, which I thought was pretty great. Um, yeah. I wish they had explained what the round one was supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Like, 
like later on there's some quick scene where like a literal guy who's like got a hula hoop strapped to him or something is like the chosen one he shows up or something i don't know like yeah or like uh, oh, fabio see, like, is dressed up as the guy or something like there's, there's some sort of like master plan that falls through because of jake gyllenhaal's bubble suit right right you're that would have been funny to see some actual round guy show up and and them after dealing with jake gyllenhaal totally be sick of it and be like nah like forget this guy We're, we've already been through this mess and he's like what i'm the chosen yeah. one that's right right <laughs> that's like um i mean that's like uh almost the same plot point as dude where's my car where they have the, the like the weird space cult, then they're waiting for their chosen one, and they think that, uh, and it turns out that they're real, and they come in and like save the day or something. Yeah. Well, anyway, but it, so I just want to separate that from the other, like, because sure. cults are religions too. So like, or you could make the argument that religions are cults, but uh, like, I think that while the I feel like the religious criticisms in this one weren't very good, I think they did a surprisingly good job of criticizing. Um, cults i also liked how the punishment for like not accepting the chosen one was that you'll mutate and burn eternally on planet px 41 or px 42 if they run out of room yeah it's like <laughs> what <laughs> it's so specific uh, <laughs> yeah it's like oh we got this practical thing going on here like you know you we all know the planet has limited space. <laughs> if you're gonna burn that's eternally the, you're right that's the thing that's gonna hold us back yeah that's pretty funny. Um, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the stakes in this movie are pretty low. Like Jimmy cannot get hurt despite his best efforts. Um, Chloe is hot, but she is totally into him, and so stopping the wedding was never going to be an issue. You know. Well, so, like, so my question: Did you feel like their relationship was earned? Did you feel like it made sense that they were together? Because I, I felt like. I don't know. Initially, there's there's a lot of like narration from Jake Gyllenhaal where he basically like can explain his emotions and motivations early, like plot exposition narration, and also relationship montage. That was for me where I kind of let go of this being a serious movie because I was like, okay, we're just supposed to see them have Christmas together. Why is she even there? You know, like I, I get that she's like interested in him, but that seems like a pretty big it's like weird thing to do to be like her and him doing christmas together and halloween together and then going to promise someone else but she still like checks in with him before going it's like all right like they're, they're, they're well, clearly they're, they're like they're friends right and i i don't know i think that's i don't know i i think those things are your evidence for whether this is earned or not not like i don't think they need to say oh, they were such good friends that now they're like having Christmas together. Like the fact that they had Christmas together is the evidence that they are good friends. Okay. So I, I no, I thought that was good. And I liked that that was fast forwarded because I was afraid this was just going to be some sort of meet cute where like, oh, like he's totally into her and, but he can't do anything about it. And then like they have like some sort of short relationship and she's like, oh, like, you know, like, I don't know if I'm into you or not. And then he has to go chase after her, which is kind of what happens but it was way more like there was an actual relationship. She was totally into him, but she, he didn't know how to act on it because he's been a sheltered little boy for his entire life. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, it is basically the foundation of the motivation for the rest of the movie. So it has to right, be. Right, right. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was fine. And I, I liked that they went that far. And it wasn't just like he saw her and thought she was hot, which is like <laughs> literally so many other movies. Right. Like. It's like, oh, like I fell in love with her at first sight. Like, I don't like, 
you ever think about what that means? Like, like you're totally into her for her looks then, isn't it? Like, you don't care at all about what she's like as a person. You're just like, I like the way you look. Like, obviously, there's just some part of that. Like, obviously, he's attracted to her. But when she actually shows up and turns out to be nice and into the same things she is, he is and, like, goes out of her way to include him, like, shows that there is a relationship there that, like, is worth pursuing. So in that way, actually, one of the strongest parts of this movie is the fact that they have a relationship. So those one of the weakest part is that she can't act on it herself. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I, I, beyond a snow globe that says "I love you," which that was bizarre too. Whatever, whatever happened to that? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway, like the stakes are really low for this, um, and it's fun to see him race across the country um, and see all these places and meet this kind of fun cast of characters. Although, like at least three of the settings are kind of identical. They're just like small towns with weird people in them, right? Um, and then the constant clock ticking is also a pretty good drive for the movie. Like it, it keeps you on your toes. You're like, okay, he has to keep going. He has to keep going. Like you can't stay in one place too long or whatever, right? Um, but there was never any doubt in my mind that he was going to succeed. Oh, definitely. Venture. Like whether even if he got there after the wedding had taken place, which like if this movie had come out five years later would have been the thing, he still would have convinced her to leave him. So Right. Like it would it would have been no matter. No, definitely. And that that was part of the reason why this is such like a feel good, easily watchable movie, because you're like, there's yeah. no way he's not gonna succeed. It's more like show up, have some fun little thing happen in this setting, and then on to the next one. You know? And it's right. never never in doubt that he's gonna get off track or not be able to make it. Yes. And I, I thought the characters were fun. Like you said, like the mobs and everything. I liked Slim. Um, I liked the mom and the dad, even though like I was like, what is the dad's deal? Like, <laughs> like it almost seems like he's trapped, too. But like he's like part of this problem as well. Yeah, no, definitely. He's I liked Morton. I, I he grew on me as he developed as a character because he starts off as this like the epitome of like the middle aged like um boomer oh, what do they call him um you like incompetent dad it, trope yeah well it's just like the like the boomer who thinks that like the american dream is like having a job and sitting on your couch you know like those are like right, right, like right. i'm married and i have kid and i have and all i have to do is just like kind of exist here and watch what the screen tells me well that's what that's what slim describes him as right yes some vato with a job <laughs> exactly but he's so right <laughs> he was exactly right and and then you see how this adventure brings the life back to morton because clearly morton maybe was a little he was a i've got to get a job kind of guy when slim met him not a i have a job already kind of guy maybe he was like mm. trying to put his life together and maybe that is what kind of put him in a box and he wasn't able to be himself anymore so as this adventure brings things out in him he, i mean the first like uh the first time we see him come alive really is when he tells jimmy to to run for it he's like you didn't come this far yeah. just like well, i loved the way he said the 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 thing about the moon where he was like what if neil armstrong had gone to the moon and then like not taken a step and it's like i have a i have a problem with that but we'll get to that really well, oh, okay dude is that one of your quotes <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get that later. But Morton continuously becomes more. He gets just more autonomy as the movie goes on, and eventually becomes him totally flipping his life over, becoming part of this threesome on a bike. So um, I thought that was interesting. I didn't expect him to threesome come alive like on that. a bike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I think I okay, know. and I think that it might come. <laughs> I think it might just be um, 
I don't know. I feel like there's kind of a trope where it's like having a tough relationship with your dad or like feeling like you can't communicate effectively with your father. It's like a common thing with young men. And this is a movie that's targeted at young men. Um, so maybe that's right, what you're right. supposed to stand in for. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, I don't, I, I just don't know. Cause he lets Chloe in, in the beginning. Uh, yeah. That, uh, yeah. That was bizarre too. That was in a little bit really of bizarre. a like convenient plot where it's like, how would she get through the, the steel wall defense of the mother? You know, there's no way yeah. the mom would ever let her in, but it's like, well, what if she just walked through the door when no one was looking because the father literally is just oblivious. Opens the door and doesn't pay attention. And they left or the door care. open too, not to mention. So that's like, I thought for sure that was how they were going to get exposed. But it, yeah, anyways, that, that was back when I was thinking this movie was going to be totally concrete, serious. <laughs> So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess we can't apply too much logic um i kind of have an issue with how the like the mobs interacted with each other like i thought it would be in like i like that whole part where they're in the small town i guess it was in I iowa i think i thought it was illinois uh, or uh, illinois you're right and it was um and like they the the cult interacts with the freaks and the freaks are dressed like the cult members and they're trying to rescue Jimmy. And then like the cult freaks out because they're, they think they're mutating. Uh, excellent set up and payoff. Very good. That is very good. Um, and, but then like the biker gang is also fighting the freaks and everything. Like I kind of wanted some sort of like, Oh, we're all here for Jimmy kind of thing at the end. Right. Where like, um, with the, the, he gets to the, he gets to the church, right. And everyone kind of dismisses him or something. And then all of his friends that he made along the way show up and they're like, Jimmy is the best. Like we got to get like, Chloe, you got to give him a chance. Like he like did all this for you. And like, he saved my life or like, you know, he's the chosen one or whatever. Like you have to choose, you have to do after him. like all these people are here for him. Right. Right. That he made, uh, and he's like such an influential and friendly person that he's, made all these friends along the way just haphazardly right i feel like that would have been better than just like we're gonna charge into the church and fight each other like that's funny as a chaos thing but i really would have liked that payoff of like these are jimmy's people now you know yeah no definitely his own um i mean it would have almost made sense more sense for jimmy to be the uh, cult leader at the end instead of push pop <laughs> but um no I, I i agree with that although i i did feel like um yeah, there was like some inconsistency because it doesn't feel like the bikers should have been fighting the mutants. You know, there's a reason no. for the bikers to hate the cult uh, group because and the bikers to yeah yeah that's right right and the freaks to hate the cult group too in a way. right. So that made sense, but yeah, it did just kind of seem at a certain point where it was like, all right, engage mobs, and they would just r run out there. <laughs> Cue mobs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the characters that I was really interested in uh, was Mark, who was the his name might as well have been Brad, um, and he was the he was the <laughs> like groom who was supposed to marry Chloe, or he, that was what the wedding was planned for. And I he was like the classic like '90s early 2000s douche, you know, with like the hairstyle and the facial hair, and like I just. I am a sucker for that kind of character. I always laugh, no matter like what, how many times I see it. I always laugh at that kind of character. Like when they asked him in the wedding, it's like, "Do you take this uh, woman to be your bride?" and all that stuff. He's like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> such a douchey thing to say instead of "I do." <laughs> and then when she hesitates to answer it, he's like, "Come on, babe, easy question." <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I was dying, dude. Because that's the kind of character we're okay with seeing lose. You're like, his right. inherent doucheness is enough for us to totally overlook him when he gets totally taken advantage of, which he does when uh, Jimmy shows up and totally ruins the wedding for him. Because if you look at Mark, while he's not like an up, not necessarily your favorite guy or somebody that y- you know you would see Chloe really vibing with necessarily, but he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. That's ter- like he even waits. You there's a you can barely hear it, but he says we've been dating for like two years now. When are you gonna let me get some action? And it's like, okay, <laughs> he's been patient. Like I'm not like I'm just saying it could be much much worse. This guy is just kind mm. of a douche in his attitude and the way he acts, but he's not a bad person. Um, like when when he tries to tell uh, Chloe, he's like, come on, Chloe, no. And she's talking to Jimmy and Jimmy's like, shut up to Mark. And he's like, am I out of line here? Which I'm like, no, dude, you're doing great. Like, this is not your fault. This is just the way the yeah, plot he's is way, made. But he's not nearly as upset as you probably would be, right. you know, if your wedding got canceled. <laughs> probably the bubble boy. Right, exactly. So, which also, I mean, while we're talking about that, that totally does not make sense that the entire church starts clapping when Jimmy and Chloe leave because half of the people there are allegedly there for Mark and they were not, <laughs> not not stoked on this. So um, I, I don't know, but I just had to shout out Mark because I, I love that like 90s douche character um, and he did a great job in his limited role. <laughs> All right. Um, do I move on to our songs? Sure. Um, and I just wanted to mention this because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> they had three different uses of the song uh growing up by blink 182 it's so funny it's a great song but um i don't know you're you're you have a better you're 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 better at look at analyzing cinema as a whole joey do you feel like that was a mistake or it was like a theme uh to use growing up thrice in this movie um, I obviously it's like supposed to be like, this is the theme song of the movie. I didn't see the trailer. Maybe they used that in the trailer or something. Clearly they have the rights for it and it probably didn't come cheap. So <laughs> using it as many times as possible may be the most practical thing to do. Oh um, my gosh. But they also used, um, that song from Rocky twice, the, um, getting stronger song. Because they used it when he was making his bubble boy suit to escape the house, and then they used it again when he did the when he was like walking up to do the mud fight. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. Um, so I just thought that was weird. Well, I, for me, I feel like it's it's almost like they didn't think of like oh we forgot to get a song for this part. Just throw Blink One Eighty Two in there again. It kind of feels that way. I don't know, like. I, I don't know. I, like, if I was making this movie, I would have gone in a totally different direction. So I can't say what they were. I can't put myself in their shoes. Okay, because well, because why they were by this. the third time that we heard, I guess this is growing up. I was laughing because I was like, this is surely a part of the joke where they're like, look how bad our movie is. <laughs> they were reusing the song again. You know, like um, I don't know. I, I think that there is. It's not done to a comedic effect necessarily, but it no, could be like, done to comedic effect. It continues. It's too to on the nose for it to be like just like a random choice right you know like this is supposed to be like oh I'm, I'm, like i'm a man now because i i got out of my bubble right right no like, I, I guess this is growing up <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> now this is growing up 
Uh, all right. So now we're going to move on to our quotable moments where we talk about the most impactful quotes from the movie. Moving forward, we want to be able to put our episodes on YouTube and YouTube is real sensitive about copyright information and taking stuff down. So we're changing the way that we're doing our quotable moments. Previously, we had just taking the audio straight from the movie, which is great, uh, but we're going to try something different now where Joey and I will actually perform the quotes for you, and then we'll break down why the quote matters and what we want to talk about in regards to the movie, okay? So, yeah, we're just playing it safe, um, and I think this more uh, more uh, opportunity for more That's fun. right, and this is, you know, maybe, you know, we could become, someone hears this, and they're like, wow, a couple of voice actors here. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go with the first quote. All right, this one, you, um, you're going to be Jimmy in this one, and I'm going to be Mark. Uh, yeah. So, Chloe tells me you're a musician. Well, I rock, if that's what you mean. Ah! You know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> I, I, I instantly loved Mark after this one, because <laughs> he had to, like, give us a little sample so that you, it's like, like you know rock and roll right you know it's it's 2001 you're familiar with the idea of rock and roll let me just make sure let me give you a little sample so then and then after that he's like you know you recognize it now right <laughs> right right <laughs> you know uh he's just such a oh man we need to have a um like lovable douchebag support group for all the douchebags in these movies who get defeated by like the nerdy protagonist Oh yeah, what was his name? Brad, Brad from and, Small uh, Soldiers. Small Soldiers. And Mark, I think, would definitely start that support group uh, because neither of them necessarily did anything wrong. They just right. fit the stereotype for the defeatable douchebag. Why is it taking us so long? Hashtag justice for Mark. You know, he needs to get his. He needs to get his own story where he finds love. That's right. Yeah, with the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's these douchebags deserve better, even though they are kind of douchebags. So um. <laughs> it just sucks that no one will ever treat them right because just because of the way they act. <laughs> that, okay, there actually definitely is a premise here. There's a screenplay in there somewhere where a bunch of like classic douchebags try to find like love. A, a, Avengers, <laughs> Avengers style douchebag team up. <laughs> Where they all like try to come together and like the express goal to find love. I think that's called the Bachelorette, actually. Oh, got him! Oh, the way to bring that home, Joey. Excellent. All right, on to the next quote. Okay, this one is this is all Mrs. Livingston, so I'll do the whole thing. All right, Plan B. Did you finish the note, Mister and Mrs. Livingston? We have kidnapped your son. Pay one hundred thousand dollars or he dies. Signed, the Jews. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Who in their right mind is going to believe this note? It's the Jews, Morton. They're going to want more than a hundred thousand dollars. Um, this is a this is your uh, uh, what's it? Um, obligatory anti-Semitism that you need in your uh, cr Republican criticism. Uh, you have in all your Republican anti-Republican. Yeah, movies. yeah. Um, <laughs> I just think this is like. I think this is hysterical, first of all, that like they bring this in just to like kind of hammer home that she is like very far right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like the whole idea of like the problem of the note is not that like the money is too little. It's just that it's signed the <laughs> Jews as if like there's some sort of monolith out there kidnapping children. No, no, uh, no I think it's a great. Like this is a good example 
of ma- like a you know anti-Semitic or you know you could argue racist joke, but it's it's done well because it makes the people making the joke look like idiots, not the other yes. way around. So um, right, yeah, I think that's I think that's great execution. This movie isn't totally devoid of good criticism and and, and comedy. It's just it's spliced in there with some of the other stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. It is like a random moment. It doesn't come back, but it is a it is a good joke, well written joke. All right, this is a Slim. You didn't get out of that bubble room to play it safe, did you? This is what uh, Slim says to um, Jimmy when they're in the casino, and he tells him he needs to play the slots, um, which I think is a a you know a pretty good tagline for this movie. Yes, right, definitely. Um, you know, just like it's a pretty good point, right? You didn't stay in that place um, just to. Uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't in there. Um, and then he escaped not to, uh, I, mean, I don't know what I'm saying. No, it's building towards the eventual <laughs> immersion or uh, his, um, emerging from the bubble, you know, right. cause it's like, he's doing things that are, I mean, honestly, it's like, once you leave the house, he gets pretty reckless immediately. But all those times of him being reckless in the name of not playing it safe leads up to the logical conclusion of him totally ditching the bubble. So I think that that was a good theme throughout. Yeah, I think it is. And it comes back to. But also playing it safe in Vegas is not playing the slots. Come on, man. I, I think <laughs> I think if you were really trying to make some money in Vegas, you would not play slots. You would play a card game or, or something that you can actually in, you know involve your own. I know that it's all gambling and you can't really involve your own skill. But for me, slots is just giving away your money. Yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's the highest risk, right? So that's that falls in line with this quote. Sure, but I have my own opinions on slots. I think it's just a waste of money. <laughs> I think. I mean, I agree, but I think it fits with the theme here. Yeah. Okay. This is when uh, Jimmy and uh, meets or meets Push Pop, and then uh, he hits the the cow, the cow in, in the road, and Push Pop is uh, very upset, obviously, because cows are sacred in his religion. And Jimmy says, "It's okay, Push Pop. Your religion is all lies." Pardon? That that's what my mom says. Again, like, is the this isn't exactly a criticism of Hinduism, and like they do kind of seem to pull their punches a little bit for other religions other than Christianity, especially since this is like another jab back at Christianity, right? Right. This is, this is, this is, you know, the Christians think other religions are dumb, so like let's let's make sure we uh we put that in there, you know, S- slide that in there. Yeah, and I mean, you can really just this blanket statement for you know atheism is just you know religion is all lies you right know? like right, right, right. this is in a way just making the argument because this guy's so devout what makes the devout of the other religions not the exact same you know um so it's yeah i mean exactly atheism You're, level exactly. one you know atheism starter <laughs> pack <laughs> your religion's all lies yeah um okay all right so this uh Next quote is between my favorite Mark and Chloe while they're watching TV. And I'll be uh, I'll be Mark, you be Chloe. No way this is better than Jurassic Park. The effects look totally fake. I can't believe you and Bubble Geek like this show. It's supposed to look fake. That's the point. And for me, this was a um like meta commentary on this movie itself. This was the movie pointing at itself and uh, saying, hey, don't take this too seriously. We're just joking around. The whole point of this is that it's stupid, silly fun. 
And when I right. when I immediately I was like, I agree. That is what you guys have got here. Um, I haven't seen Land of the Lost, so I don't know if the parallel is is perfect. But I think that this is good. They're very self aware that they're like, yeah, obviously we're being stupid in this movie. So enjoy it for what it is. Don't get caught up in the like trying to make this some sort of great cinema or you know concrete plot. We're just having fun, and I, I and I'm like, okay, yeah. that's fair enough. It's it's not a get out of jail free card. There's plenty of other things to criticize about this movie, but by this point, if you weren't sure if this movie was serious or not, now you know for sure it's not. Here's your clue, right? Which I thought was fun, and it's also I don't I don't know I haven't seen Land of the Lost, um, but I'm sure if you like Land of the Lost, I know it was a popular series. This would be a nice little like uh, homage or or like a nice little thumbs up for that series to say, hey, we liked it sure. too. That's and true. It influenced it's, us. But the theme song, yeah, and they talk about it a little bit, yeah. All right, this next one I have is uh, when um, uh, uh, Jimmy's dad is talking to him in the car, and he's talking about the moon. He says, "How was it out there?" Was it fun? You can see the moon today. It really makes you wonder. What if Neil Armstrong had made it all the way to the moon and never stepped on the surface? So clearly this is uh, his dad indicating to him that he wants Jimmy to take it all the way, right? He wants him to get out of the car and not give up and keep going on his on his adventure and see it through because he's so close. He's so close. Um, just like Michael Collins the third astronaut that was on Apollo 11, who didn't get to go on the lunar surface, who stayed in orbit in order for the mission to be a success. You know, when he says like, oh, what a tragedy it would have been if Neil Armstrong had made it all the way to the moon and not stepped on it. Like there was a guy who was on that same sh- <laughs> the same trip who made it all the way to the moon and didn't go down the surface. Like sometimes that's your job. Like <laughs> it sucks that like Michael Collins, his name is kind of forgotten in history a lot of times, but like, it was very easy for me to Google and, and find it again. I knew he existed and I knew that he like was an important part of this mission. Okay. But that's so like, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just like, oh, like, like Neil Armstrong's the only one that matters or Buzz Aldrin's the only one that matters. It's like, no, like <laughs> that's not how this works. You know, like the tragedy is not that Michael Collins didn't get to step on the moon. You know, the tragedy is that people don't appreciate his hard work as much as they do the other astronauts, you know, like, right. It's frustrating that he's using this as an example when it's like, (laughs) it's not, it doesn't follow through really. Right. No, I mean, yeah, I I feel like I would file this under, it's like misuse of like a popular known event uh, in the same, right. In the same, uh, as in a similar way that people use drinking the Kool-Aid. You know, because a lot of times people say drinking the Kool-Aid where it's like you're voluntarily uh, doing something cult-like when the actual situation is much different than that. In this, it's like for the informed, this is a terrible reference, but for the surface level use in this movie, I feel like it's actually kind of good. Like it's it is like, yeah, what if he did? What if, I mean, think about it this way. What if nobody stepped on the moon? What if they all went up there and then they all didn't step off? Like, I'm sure that there would be somebody saying, why didn't anybody take, like, take a step onto the moon? We all would have wanted that. You're already there. Why not just take a step? You know? So I, I, I think it's important that we recognize Michael Collins. I think it's your, uh, <laughs> Yeah, your galaxy brain shines bright once again. Um, but I don't know if it totally <laughs> takes away from like the, the meaning of what Morton was going for here. I mean, the attention is still there, but it's just a terrible... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah, but there really was a guy who'd made it to the moon and then step on the surface. Well, and he didn't get his own uh, all his all the glory though, dude. That's what he. Well, he wasn't he wasn't actually on the surface either. He was in he was still in orbit, so not not exactly the same. Right, pretty close. Anyway, last quote. This is uh, Jimmy's line to Chloe after he steps out of the bubble, and he says this in his most smooth Jake Gyllenhaal voice. I would rather spend one minute holding you than the rest of my life knowing I never could. Hey, man. If that's how you, uh, if you, you Jake Gyllenhaal, you're, you're happy to, I'd be happy for you to decontaminate me after that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I thought about it too, where it's like, um, if he really had died here, this, I mean, it, kind of would have been beautiful i think they wouldn't have they should have set it up better like if this ended up being the serious movie that i initially thought it was where he has to live this difficult life inside the bubble and maybe it's not as nice as it was before like in this movie he's playing guitar he has all this stuff toys and stuff he has he enjoys his life in there but if it had been some sort of tortured existence where he decides that living for one minute is better than being trapped inside of this like horrific bubble for his whole life i think that that would be something really compelling um, I mean, it, this sure. comes across way more serious or, or just, you know, heartfelt than maybe is earned. Um, but you know, I, I, yeah. I think it's maybe the, 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 yeah, like this alternate movie we've been writing this whole time. I think this would still work <laughs> as kind of like the climactic line. No, I think you have hit it on a good point here, which is that like, there is no indication that he is this smooth coming up to this point, nor did he like, was his life really that bad? Up until this point, this is the first time that he's ever actually had an incentive to leave, right? Every other, even during his like um, montage, right? There's all these moments where he's looking out the window and everything, but he's framing it in a way that like he wants to be in the bubble, right? Or like the bubble is good for him. And it's not until suddenly he, like his inability to leave his room is a issue and keeps him from getting what he wants, does that actually translate to him doing something about it right so you're right like he is it like is his life really that bad that like living for one moment holding this girl is better than than dying um i'm i don't know but it is a good line no it is a line that like (laughs) jimmy probably would never say jake gyllenhaal probably does not I I mean, that's just how I feel. I feel like this is a more serious line that could have existed in in a more um, dramatic version of this story. It still works, you know. Um, It's it's fun. It's it's a good ending to the story because then now happily ever after commences. But um, it doesn't feel you know they didn't earn it as much as they could have. Definitely. All right, Joey. That's gonna wrap up our quote section. And I believe you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. First thing I want to talk about is the hygiene hypothesis. So this is something I came across in psychology when I took psychology 101 in college. Um, so it makes me an expert on all, all of this. So obviously know, don't bother fact checking me. This is like I stole from uh, Wikipedia. Um, And I want to quote it in its entirety because I think it's pretty interesting. In medicine, 
The hygiene hypothesis states that early childhood exposure to particular microorganisms, such as the gut flora and hemolith uh, parasites, protects against allergic diseases by contributing to the development of the immune system. In particular, a lack of exposure is thought to lead to defects in the establishment of immune tolerance. The time period for exposure begins in utero and ends at school age. So basically what it's saying is when you're exposed, you're, if you're exposed to more germs as a child, like very young, like even within the womb, you will have less health issues later in life. And this is just so, a hypothesis? Right, I'm going to continue. While early versions of the hypothesis referred to exposure to microbes in general, updated versions apply to a specific set of microbial species that humans have co-evolved with. The updates have been given various names, including the microbiome depletion hypothesis, the microflora hypothesis, and the, uh, in quotes, old friends hypothesis, which I think is interesting, right? So now it's, it's not just getting dirty, right? It's when you're young, it's specific exposure to specific microbes, specifically ones that we have co-evolved with to be helpful for us. Old friends, you might say. There is a significant amount of evidence supporting the idea that exposure to these microbes is linked to allergies or other conditions, although scientific disagreement still exists. So the, the jury's still out. So, so you're saying say? that the lack of exposure leads to allergies later. Right. I believe that's what it means. Um, the term hygiene hypothesis has been described as a misnomer because people incorrectly interpret it as referring to personal cleanliness. And I admit that I was actually thinking this the same way until I read this. Reducing one's personal hygiene, such as not washing hands before eating, is expected to simply increase the rate, the risk of infection without having any impact on allergies or immune disorders. Hygiene is essential for protecting vulnerable populations such as the elderly from infections, preventing the spread of um, antibiotic resistance, and for combating emergent, emerging infections, excuse me, emerging infectious diseases such as Ebola or the coronavirus. Ding, ding, ding. There it is. There you go. Tying it back in. The hygiene hypothesis does not suggest that having more infections during childhood would be an overall benefit. So, in general... Don't get dirty. But there are specific microbes out there that are necessary for you or, or helpful for you in development that will keep you from getting sick later in life. Kind of like how a vaccine works, where like you get exposed to a, a low-risk version of the disease and it trains your body on how to fight that disease. So later in life, if you're exposed to it, you can easily defeat it. So similar to that, there's lots and lots of these microbes out there that could hurt you later on unless you're exposed to it very early on. But that doesn't mean that you should not wash your hands, right? Personal cleanliness is still super important, especially in times like this. Definitely. So yeah, people, so this is more of like, you know, early on and targeted versus just, I always, my immune system is the best because I'm always putting it through a tough workout. I don't think I've washed my hands in 10 years. <laughs> I inoculate myself. I never get sick, except for I when I never get sick. Get sick. Uh, That's right. <laughs> um, that was a reference to Pete Hegseth, in case anyone cares. Um, this, the next thing I want to talk about is something much, much darker. Oh, man. <laughs> there was a... So this movie is not entirely based on fiction. There was a real-life person who lived in a bubble, a real bubble boy. Um, who had a somewhat similar setup to what you see in Jimmy's house. 
uh, where you had like his own sterile room um, and like tubes that went to different areas of the house. And um, he he like lived in a hospital until he was four, I believe. And then they they brought him home. Um, his name was David Vetter. He was born in 1971. Um, actually, like when he was like 10 or 11, I think NASA, uh, was tasked with building him a space suit. So they actually built him like a germ suit that he, so he could go outside. Um, and like, he actually went to see a movie or something like that. They did all this stuff to like, kind of make his life kind of more tolerable and everything. But ultimately he was pretty miserable. Um, and in fact, what's, what's really like crazy is that like his parents were parents knew about this and like kind of did it anyway. They had a child, uh, the first child they had, uh, only lived to be seven months old. He had the same disease as David Vetter did, which was like this lack of uh, like, it's very poor immunity system. I think I have the actual, what it's actually called severe combined immunodeficiency SCID is what it's called. Um, and so they had a child that uh, the first child who was also named David Vetter, <laughs> Oh, uh, who died at seven months. And then after this, doctor said, there's about 50% chance that the next male child you'll have will also have this disease. And they had a daughter and then they had another son who was this kid. And yeah, he lived um, okay until he tried to get a bone marrow transplant from his uh, sister who was not entirely compatible. So they were like, I think the parents were like, okay, well, if we have another male child, we, we can use some of the bone marrow from our daughter and to help him, like she can donate some of that and that will help him fight this disease. That helps. Um, that's, what they- that's what they, that's what, the, that's what he needed. Uh, but uh, like nothing ever came through. And so eventually they were like, and the daughter didn't turn out not to be a, a, an exact match, but they went through it with it anyway, just because he was basically so miserable. And she actually had some sort of dormant virus on her bone marrow it was called the epstein-barr virus and it came active and killed him when he was 12 years old jesus <laughs> so yeah it's a it's a pretty uh like messed up story honestly and um <laughs> the whole thing that really happened with a real boy lived in the bubble well, i'm sure glad uh, we watched the one where he gets to bounce across <laughs> the country and 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 steal uh mark's uh, fiance mark's girl yeah instead of mark's girl instead of watching 12 year old kid die of epstein virus jesus yep <laughs> so i think there actually are some documentaries out there but uh a book by um the uh the vetter's uh psychologist uh, mary murphy uh, just came out last year. It's called Bursting the Bubble, The Tortured Life and Untimely Death of David Vetter, uh, which came out in 2019. Wow. One uh, like piece of kind of good ethics from this that I thought was interesting was that his people knew about him and that he lived in a bubble, but nobody, his last name was not released until 10 years after he died in order to protect him from like paparazzi and like media attention and stuff. Which was kind of, yeah, that's a nice thing. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that in the movie when they were like, you live next door to the bubble boy. I was like, how do you know? You, like, you can't tell from the outside. There's not like a sign that says like bubble boy. Warning, bubble boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's really interesting. Um, I did know that there was a, I, I had heard that there was a real life bubble boy, but I didn't know this, the details. And it sounds pretty miserable, man. does sound pretty miserable. He was He did like... I didn't have any quotes from him, but it did sound like a pretty tortured existence. 
Well, I think that's going to on a kind of on that happy note. note. Yeah, uh, that's going to wrap up our conversation on Bubble Boy. And as we do at the end of every episode, we're going to deliver our ratings. Um, and I'll go first. I'm going to give I give Bubble Boy four years in quarantine until it develops immunities. Nice, very nice. I give this movie a homemade, vitamin-rich, soy-based, germ-free, fat-free fiber cookie. Oh, nice. What shape is it? <laughs> Across. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Um, well, Joey, what is next on Affable Chat? Next is uh, Tropic Thunder. Yes. I I love Tropic Thunder. It's one of the first movies I ever saw when I turned 17. Um, I was old enough to watch rated R movies, and I watched Tropic Thunder, and it was epic. And... I haven't seen it since. I watched it a, like a couple times then, but I haven't seen it in years. And I recently saw some pretty contentious arguments going on on the internet mm. about whether or not Robert Downey Jr. deserves to be canceled because he did blackface in this movie. Ooh, blackface in a movie that came out not that long ago. What could this be about? We're going to get to the bottom of it. Are we? Is RDJ canceled? Are we going to solve racism? Is are the is Marvel totally canceled now? Is is Iron Man literally uh, racist? We'll find out if you listen to our next episode where we talk about Tropic Thunder. There's more to the movie than that, but that is why it was on my mind because I saw some people arguing on the internet. Uh, so look forward to that. If you want to call our uh, phone number and hear your voice on the podcast, you can. It's very easy. All you have to do is dial eight three three six hundred two four two eight. Yes, that number is 833-600-CHAT. Call us now. It's a limited time offer. We've been talking about it for like, how long has it been now? Months. It's been a year? <laughs> We've had this number for months. It's been a long time. People have called us. It's been a long time. People have called us and they've had their voice and they've they've said, I've heard great things. And, and many people have said it was the best phone call of their life. But a perfect call. That's right. Some even A perfect say. call. And That's right. And, and you if, can hear it here. Yes, and if you don't call soon, then this is going to be going away. They're, they're saying it's That's going right. to be like a miracle. It'll be gone. It'll be totally, it, you know, we've had a few, but it'll be totally zero. Um, and so you're going to have, if you want to take advantage of this, you're going to have to dial that number as soon as possible because... That's right. I, it's the, I mean, it's the greatest number of all time. It's very easy to remember. People have said it's the easiest number to remember. That's right. Uh, Without even looking, here I go. Ready? 833-600-2428. Yes, that's 833-600-CHAT. Phones are open anytime. That's right. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, uh, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you get our podcasts, leave us a review. It really helps us grow. You can interact with us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. All of those have the <laughs> same handle that's at AffableChat. Check us out. Or if you're a little more old school, you can send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel where we're uploading YouTube videos. That's right, including um, this episode. You might even be hearing this on YouTube. You're like, I already knew that. Uh, wow. So check us out. Just search Affable Chat. Uh, but that's going to do it uh, for our episode on Bubble Boy. Thanks again, Kyle, for sending us that DM and recommending Bubble Boy. I'm glad I've seen this movie. Uh, love me some Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the end of this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.